home of the Eagles, Sixers, and Flyers. WENJ, WENJ HD, Millville, Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Uh, we had the return of live sports this weekend. The Phillies were actually on your television. But did you get excited about watching baseball? I've heard so many people get into that. We will, too. We got plenty to dive into. Live Phillies games to react to. This is unbelievable. Mike Gill, Hunter Brody, Josh Henning producing today's show. You out there. What's up, everybody? I'm wondering how many people at 6 o'clock were nestled on the couch. It was a scorching of a day yesterday, too. So, I don't know. You might have been riding out the weekend on the beach or the pool or outside or something. Uh, but I'm wondering how many people were anticipating live baseball yesterday when the Phillies played the Orioles in front of zero at Citizens Bank Park. I loved it, Gil. I had my notebook. I was taking notes. Zach Wheeler's performance. I got some pitch counts on my paper. I was ready to rock and roll, just like it's spring training 2.0 for them. It's spring training 2.0 for me to get back in the flow of things. I mean, I watched at 6 o'clock. I was ready to go. I'm like, all right, here we go. And then I was kind of just like, it doesn't help that the game was one of those dud games. Saturday night's game, they're rocking Max Scherzer. Aaron Nola does his thing. So they had a great performance on Saturday. It's a shame the first televised game was a dud. Well, yeah, I mean, look, uh, I thought Wheeler was just okay. I mean, uh, he wasn't anything special. For He was erratic for the most part. In fact, Joe Girardi said afterwards, hey, I'm going to remember the one that he pitched in the inter-squad game more so than this one and hope that that's the one that we get. Not this one. He kind of admit it. He did not look great yesterday. He was not great. 86 pitches to get barely, couldn't even get through four. Although it was wonky. Uh, whatever happened in the fourth inning, there, I don't know. But Yeah, one a one out fourth inning, and then there was another inning later on that was four outs. He wasn't in the game at that point anymore, so I think he actually went three and two thirds, but the scorecard read four and one third, something of that nature. Yeah, it was weird. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I wasn't like um, I, I wanted to see what the lineup was going to be. I thought Frank said it during uh, Josh's show today that that might be the lineup that you see uh, something in that configuration. So I was interested, like, if you're going to play a game on Friday, this Friday they play opening night, you would think you would want your starting lineup to bat together. We'll see what they do tonight. Now, a bunch of guys I don't even think are making the trip. I saw that, yeah. It looks like a couple guys are going to be sitting this one out. But here's the most intriguing thing of the game tonight. You have Vince Velasquez getting on the mound against that New York Yankees lineup. If you saw them last night play against the New York Mets, and you bet your ass I was watching that too, that lineup was scary, and they're rocking homers left and right just like they're in midseason form. So, Good test for Vince Velasquez. Well, I think there's a couple of reasons here. I think it's tied to Wheeler a little bit here. Yes, do you I think would agree. that Velasquez has jumped over Arietta in the rotation, or do they want to keep Arietta in his spot in the rotation? And in the event that Wheeler can't make his start on Saturday against the Marlins, his wife is due on Saturday, apparently, that he can't pitch, that they use Velasquez in that spot instead of Arietta, moving Arietta up and kind of keeping him in his spot. 
I honestly don't know. I can't get a read on it. Something tells me that they are this intrigued by Vince Velasquez. And looking at what some of these Phillies beat reporters are saying, they're a little unclear as well. Matt Gell being one of them of The Athletic. He literally says it's unclear, honestly, what is happening when he's talking about Vince Velasquez starting in Yankee Stadium tomorrow. Yeah, well, it's one of those beat writers. Scott Lauber will join us at 3 o'clock today. We'll get more information as uh, the Phillies are getting ready to play the Yankees tonight. And uh, look... You know, Wheeler, I thought, was up and down. That's that. The lineup yesterday was was horrid. I mean, what did you say, four singles or something like that? Now, if you go back to, to Saturday night at Nats Park, the game that was not televised, you had a sharp Aaron Nola. I mean, he was excellent in that game from all the court. And you had a couple of three-run bombs. Exactly. So it was just unfortunate that the Phillies were actually able to um, or, you know, the, it, it's unfortunate that the first time we get to see the team, it wasn't that great of a baseball game. And, yeah, they struggled against Eshelman. They had four hits on him throughout five innings. It's just ironic that you can go up against Max Scherzer and do what you did offensively, and then here comes the Baltimore Orioles, and you get four hits on Eshelman. It's just crazy. Let me ask you this. So forget the game itself. Was I'm wondering the people out there that watched the game last night. And if you watched the game, send us a text, 609-403-0973. Tell us what you thought. Did no fans in the stands uh, alter the game at all for you, the television product? Like, if you were watching that game, did not having fans there, just the, the ambiance, the sound of the game, the broadcast itself, where you're like, man, this is going to be tough. I don't feel that way. Personally, I don't feel that way, but... I feel like I might be the outlier. I'm sitting there dissecting each pitch from Zach Wheeler, and I'm looking at the batting stance, and I'm looking at the defensive shift. Like, I am truly involved in the game that I'll say it this way. The no fans in the seats itself, does it change the game? It absolutely changes the way that I watch it, but it doesn't ruin it for me. So it does change the way I feel about certain situations. For example, Severino hits a home run off Zach Wheeler yesterday, and he's trotting around the bases, and you don't hear anything, right? I mean, you hear the fake crowd noise through the through the actual stadium, but yes, it changes the game. It doesn't ruin the game. Yeah, I thought it was going to be more difficult to watch because of the no fans and like that... It ended up not being that big of a distraction or a deal, but I, I thought the broadcast could have been better. You you told me and I didn't even realize this because I said, the sound they you know some of these events are piping in like fake crowd noise. I thought the fake crowd noise was so minimal and so like distant that you couldn't even really tell that they were using any crowd noise. Right, and it seems like they're just going with the approach right now. At least maybe that changes where it's playing through Citizens Bank Park, yeah, I, and that's I, how you hear it. So they're it. not using it on the broadcast. They're taking the sound from the ballpark and just hoping that that gets picked up by the broadcast. That's what it sounds like, because when you listen to the English Premier League, they're pumping it through the broadcast, and it's a totally different atmosphere with the crowd. Yeah, see, the crowd I thought was, was a little light in terms of if there was a base hit or if there was a home run or stuff like that. You, you really... but. I mean, it is weird when they take that shot of the whole stadium and you don't see anybody there. You just wonder, like, is it, I don't want to say affecting the, the performers, but, you know, does that pitcher get that extra giddy up because that crowd is two strikes, two outs, bottom of the seventh. This is a huge spot in the game. And it's not there. It's just, I don't know. I guess we haven't seen that yet because, you know, and, and then you were saying, well, it wasn't a real game. I said, but it kind of was. If I didn't, if I told you, 
this is a real game, you wouldn't know the difference. I mean, you had both team starters out there. You haven't had a live baseball game to watch in months. So to say, well, it wasn't a real game, eh, that's not the point. It was, there's a game on that I can watch that's live. And it just felt like a dud. Well, because I think the game was a dud. Like, the actual performance of that game was the dud. So if you get that every nine or ten games, which I feel like is realistic in a baseball game, right? Like, it's just unfortunate that this first time we sit down was that one. Well, I bring it up because of this. I had a buddy of mine, he's like, do you watch the Phillies game? I said, yeah, I had it on. I wasn't like, I mean, I basically was outside. I had the grill on. I had the TV outside on. I had the, the game on while I was grilling. And then when I went to dinner, we have, you know, we have a table outside uh, on the porch. I had the game on out there. And I kept it on, but I wasn't like... You would have thought there's a game on, and this was it. I'm back. There's a game on. And then the reaction of my buddy said, you watch the Phillies? I said, yeah. He goes, I feel like I just don't like baseball anymore. Out on baseball. I mean, I can, and I'm not like, man, what's wrong with you? The game was really slow and really boring. And I know what you're saying. Well, it was just that one. No. There's a lot of games that are just really slow and really boring. And, like, you haven't watched sports in so long, that game should have slapped you across the face like, yo, I'm back. And instead it was, I'm, I'm here. I didn't have that way, though. But once again, I, I wonder if the people out there agree. Were you kind of like all jacked up to watch a Phillies game and then you got back and it didn't feel like a live sports game was back. It just felt like, eh, I'm kind of watching this because it's live and I haven't had live sports in a while. If I had to guess, I think the casual baseball fans did the I'm not a casual baseball I know you're fan, not. though. I know you're not, which is crazy. But if you're one of those people who really enjoy baseball and you're a purist, if you will, you were probably jacked up. But you can also say, yes, I was jacked up before the game. And once it started to play out, I realized by the seventh inning, this is going to be one of those games. But I, I do know what you're saying. We haven't had sports in so long. Here is a sporting event, and it didn't grab you like you thought it would. Yeah, and I'm wondering if that's because there was nobody there or if just because the game is the game, and that's the game. Look, and, and like, it's like, what are your takeaways from yesterday's game? I, I don't know. Wheeler. Wheeler was erratic. That's all I got, I think. Really? Reese Hoskins had two hits. He did. I did see. I remember and I, he got the first hit of the game, and I said, okay, Hoskins got a hit. Uh, Alec Bone played a nice first hey, base. Hey, he did. Nice he had a beautiful, there. nice pick play there. Nice scoop over at first base. Yeah, I got 13-year-olds that can do that. Oh, okay. All right. Uh-huh. So I'm not now, all are that you impressed with a major leaguer who can scoop a ball at first base? Well, when, I'm sorry. When I'm told that his defense is going to be a huge problem in Major League Baseball, and I see him make a nice play over there at first, well, then I'm intrigued. Well, as a third baseman, that's right. But yeah. it just in general, everyone said that he might not be ready yet. Well, that was a nice pick play. Yeah, I mean, I can't get excited about a first baseman making a, a major league first baseman making a scoop. That's you, all. You didn't like Neil Walker's nice play at third base where he threw someone out on the run? I don't know that I made it that far, or maybe I was on the grill at that moment. It was deep into the game when everybody was <laughs> I out. I mean, if Neil Walker's getting time at third base, yeah, I might have been out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, now this was definitely towards the end. At some point, you saw Scott Kingery leave the game, Andrew McCutcheon's leaving the game, and yes. I'm thinking, are they leaving the facility while the game's was. still going? Kingery was like, and by the way, I thought it was, I thought it was Todd Zalecki. Walking out of that place, and here's like uh, Kingery, like fixing his hair, and he's walking out. And they're like, "Oh, I'm like, he's just browsing the concourse." I mean, it was, you know, but again, I mean, the Wheeler, I guess the one kid who came in relief. Um, oh, Brogdon. Brogdon. He is intriguing. He was something. Now, I thought the news of the weekend 
The most shocking news of the weekend is when uh, Liriano got cut. I know, right? I couldn't. I, I literally, I was like, huh? Like, what happened there? And Frank was like, oh, you know, he probably makes too much money. And then if, uh, you know, I, I, theoretically, it seemed that, like, this Brogdon kid may have, they might have said, you know what, we'll keep him and get rid of Liriano. He makes too much money. Right, and uh, we have a Powder Blue podcast group chat. Myself, Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, and we're going back and forth this morning, and they're talking about the bullpen, and they're throwing out names like McLean, who got rocked yesterday, and Austin Davis, and I'm thinking, what? We're, we're talking about right now literally going into this thing with McLean and Austin Davis? Well, how about That's kid, an issue to me. How about the kid they extended the game for? Oh, yeah, who was that? Like, Kelly. Oh, Kelly, that's right. How hey, about can that we delivery? Play, can we play an extra inning? Sure, why not? And then he gives up a bomb. You didn't like the extra inning. You didn't, didn't like going to the 10th. I didn't care. I'm just saying, like, they extended the game for that guy to get an inning. He gives up a bomb. Well, hold on. Going back to the takeaways, Phil Gosselin just came off a 5-for-5 five five performance, and then he follows that up with a nice hit. I know. Are you serious? Let's talk about maybe a journeyman for us <laughs> off the bench. Uh, I'm, I'll get excited. <laughs> I, I can mean, see that's, it in your if face. that's the most exciting part of the entire take of the weekend was that Phil Gosling was six for six. I'm a unique I'm individual. I'm not sure that he's making the roster. I don't even know if he's making the roster. I have to think he makes the roster after these nice performances. Oh, uh, we'll see. I mean, look, keep in mind these are two performances. They had spring training performances. Not to mention Gosling's 31 years old. He's got years of performances that they could go off of on whether or not they want to. Although they did get rid of Forsythe, I was a little surprised by that as well. Absolutely, yeah. They were starting to make some cuts that were intri- like interesting to look at. Like, wow, really? Are they going down that road? But that's when you trust Joe Girardi, right? I mean, Joe Girardi's a smart man he has to have a big input on these players so if he is okay with doing that which what, i'm assuming he is what is the theory on why they got other than money that they got rid of liriano like i was like to me i thought that he may have been their most important signing of the offseason yeah wheeler was the biggest signing but i thought liriano was maybe the most important signing of the offseason it was finally a veteran presence in that bullpen that was left-handed and could have given them, I thought, high leverage innings. Like, he would be pitching that big seventh inning spot or that big eighth inning when the other team has a couple of lefties coming in. I could not. I literally was like, you got to be kidding me. I couldn't believe that they did that as well. I mean, you can't tell me that it's production-based to this point of the season, right? I mean, even if someone does start out a little bit slow, you think with where the bullpen is at now, you give him an opportunity at least to actually do something, right? I mean, it's not like the alternative is you have a bunch of players you can rely on in the bullpen. The bullpen is a mess right now. Yeah, I don't know what uh, you know what these games have really done for people trying to make this bullpen uh, because realistically, I think they just got a whole bunch of a jumbled mess out there so far, and with the uncertainty around Wheeler, I don't know that they know what the starting rotation is going to really look like for at least this first week of the season. I would agree with you. Now, let me ask you this. You weren't really all into it yesterday. Will you be into it tonight? Vinny V against the New York Yankees lineup. See, I'm going out of town tonight. Okay. I won't be around to watch it. Okay. I'm off tomorrow. I'm going out of town tonight. So, no, I won't. I mean, man, maybe fair. if I'm in the car, I do have YouTube TV. I can watch it in my, you know, on the car, uh, in the car. You're going to watch and drive. Well, I mean, I don't know if I'm driving or not. I haven't, we haven't decided that yet. I'm oh, you don't, you don't take initiative. I usually do like 90% of the driving. 
So but, the 10% might be the start of the trip, and then you hop in for the back end? Or oh, you're anti-driving. You don't like the long trips. No, I'm not a, I can't see at night very well. Okay. So then you'll probably start if you leave earlier, and then maybe she takes Well, I hope to leave right when I get out of here tonight. Oh, you're going bang right tonight out tonight, of, here, out yeah. of town. Yeah, we got like a three-hour hike to go. Where are you going? Eh, just out of town. Her out brother's town. coming into town, and her parents are meeting the brother. We're all kind of meeting at a... Because uh, of uh, we're like meeting at a spot in the middle for everybody. Okay, you yeah. excited? Thrilled. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic <laughs> or not. <laughs> no, I haven't met her one brother before, so I'm looking forward to that. And you know, getting out of here for a day or two. I don't know uh, if I'm going to any place safer. But... No, what if you go there and they're saying, I really wish I could watch Vince Velasquez tonight? Would your opinions change on how they feel about this part of baseball? I doubt that's going to happen. Why not? Well, they're not from around here. Well, who cares? There's so Phillies not, fans all over the yeah, place. Not Phillies fans. Yankees fans? What are they? Not, I don't know. I'm not even, even sure they're huh? baseball fans, no, to be honest with you. Probably because there's no fans in the state. Well, they live, they're from upstate New York. There's no baseball up there. That means they're probably with the Yankee crowd, We're I would Blue guess. Jays. Blue Jays? Yeah. You think the Blue Jays? We don't Jays? have a home right now. You're right. Maybe if they're Buffalo fans, then they're just part yeah, of the cl- Buffalo well, they Blue live Jays. Up actually even further than like out by Syracuse. Oh. Do you like, like the Canada. Syracuse area? I've been there a couple times. Yeah? It's all right. All right. I was up there. Uh, my buddy went to college there, went to visit him, went to a game at the Dome, football game and a basketball Did game. Did you get a T-shirt? I didn't get one when I was there, but I got one now to say that was one of the places that I visited. Okay, that's fair. That yeah. is fair game, yeah. no doubt about it. All right. So if you have a reaction to the Phillies, what's something that stuck out about the Phillies? It could even be, you know what, maybe I don't like baseball as, I thought, as much as I thought I did. I don't like that that's probably going to be a lot of people's answers. I honestly feel like there were people who were very disappointed with yesterday's entire flow of the game. But I will say, don't let one game be the one to tell you. What about Eshelman shutting you down? That was a little disappointing. I'm not Considering he used to be yours. Yeah, Eshelman had a nice day at the office I up think there. Eshelman was in the trade with Velasquez, wasn't he? Or was he in the Hamels deal? I don't know if he was in the... I don't think he was in the Vince Velasquez deal. But he did a decent job. He had a nice outing there for his five innings. He was in either the Velazquez deal or the Hamels deal. One of those deals, I thought, where, you know, the Phillies started trading guys away. Ken Giles. The Ken Giles. Giles. Yeah, it was the Velazquez deal. Oh, yeah, it was. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was Velazquez, Eshelman. I don't know why that didn't sound right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. For Giles. So he shut you down yesterday. He did. After you light up someone like Max Scherzer. Isn't that funny how that works? Those are the kind of things that happen, man. And that's the beauty of baseball. Because Vince Velasquez could be the guy where the Yankees look at a pitcher the night before and they rake somebody else. Say they rake Arenola, and then here comes the next night and Vince Velasquez is in town and he's throwing and they can't find a way to hit him. How about the story of the foul balls? How many foul balls are all and over the place? And they're just like, well, they got no plan. They're just going to kind of leave them there, I guess. Now, do you think at one point midway through the season, the ballpark is like filled with balls at <laughs> a certain area, and now it's kind of like they're not empty anymore? Well, Murphy actually brought it up was uh, that, they, that somebody threw out the idea that just leave them there, and then when fans are allowed to come back in, the balls are just there. Do and you if see, you get one, you get one. Do you see how humans react to one? Could you imagine if there's 400 balls around this? They're going to be tackling you. You'll have a 36-year-old maybe giving an elbow to a 10-year-old. That happened one time. The We were at a spring training game, and my buddy, there was a foul ball hit. We were at uh, down in Bradenton when the Pirates play. And this is like an old ballpark. They have like the old metal bleachers, you know, in the grandstand. And the ball's hit my buddy kind of elbow. He, you know, he's running for the ball. He, like, elbowed some guy. He had to be in his 70s. I'm like, you just elbowed this guy. 
Did he get the ball? Yeah. All right. Well, when do you call the you shouldn't really be going for a ball card? At what age? 15? Yeah, no, but I think if you're 16, you can still have a little bit of joy for getting the baseball, right? I guess 18. You can have joy, but you shouldn't be running or hustling for the ball. If it comes right to you, yeah. you're like, yeah, I got. you know, I never caught a foul ball at a baseball game. Have you? Nope. One row behind me, I went to a Phillies-Nationals game two years ago in D.C., and the ball, literally the guy behind me caught it. But well, if I this? catch it, I give it to, I, if I was to ever catch one. No, you excited <laughs> when you catch it. I think it's cool, like, oh, my God, I caught it, and then I'll look yep. for a little kid. So, Todd Rank used to do the show with me, Happy Hour Friday. Oh, he probably punches people for balls. He caught like. a foul ball at a baseball game. He doesn't remember the game or where he was. What do you mean? Exactly. This guy, I feel like, lives this mystery life that I'm so intrigued We went by. on about this one day. We're doing the show, and he said, yeah, I caught a ball game. I said, well, what was the game? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? What do you mean you don't know? You don't remember where you caught the foul ball at a baseball game? If it's your only one, too, you yeah. would think you remember. I caught not a foul ball. Well, it was kind of a foul ball. I wasn't actually in the stadium. This is when the surf were playing over here. I was walking from my car to the stadium. The foul ball went up and over the roof and bounced in the parking lot, and I was the only guy walking out there. How about that? Yeah, that's the only time a ball has come to me. Now, you manage baseball at the younger age. How many times have you seen the foul ball crack the old windshield? Shield of Happened a car. the other night. The other night. Yep. Hopefully it wasn't yours. Yeah. Was it, no, it wasn't was it yours. No, but I had it happen to me before. In fact, the car that I drive, I had just bought the car, and I couldn't have had it for a week. And a kid hits a foul ball up over the backstop, cracked my windshield. That has to be one of the most disappointing feelings ever. Very deflating. What can you do at that point? It's tough. I mean, there's not much you can do. Right. Yeah. You basically, I mean, got to get it farther. Fixed. Yeah, right. now you've learned. Like you can't like at certain fields, you know, you don't park in these areas. You got to get away from them. Absolutely. It happened at the game. Literally, the game we were at the other night. Boom! At that same field. Did you win? We actually did. You won. Yes, we did. Wow! How did it go down? Good uh, work ethic. The manager just doing his thing. Proper calls. I don't have an answer to this question. <laughs> hey, I got a story though from Saturday. Okay. So I'm walking to the beach on Saturday. I get a text message from Jeff Mosher. Good guy. Really you would, good guy. You would think, maybe? Is this where this is going? I have no clue. Well, it's not. No, it's not that a bad guy or anything. So I'm walking to the beach. I'm literally walking from my car to the beach. And I get a text message at uh, 152 from Jeff Mosher. I'm at the beach in Margate today if you're around. Gladstone Avenue. I wrote... Huh, I just got here. I'm at Essex. I'm right at the pier. That was four minutes after his text. He responds to me over an hour later in Margate, question mark? One hour later? Yeah. You would think once you text somebody and you're, where are you? You're expecting the text message back. Not where are you, just I'm at the beach if you're around. But I actually called him. As soon as I saw him, I called. Nothing. Then I texted him at 157. So I must have called even earlier. So I was within four minutes of texting him back. And I wrote, I'm at Essex. I just got here. I'm right at the pier. And he wrote back at 247 in Margate, question mark? There's something wrong here. Right? You don't reach out to somebody asking kind of where they are. And then you don't respond when they get back to you within five minutes. Right. You send a text and then didn't check your phone like, hey, I just texted this guy. Let me see if he responded in the last five minutes. 
Well, good thing it's Monday because Mosher's on for football at four. Yeah, football at four. Now, he came. Eventually, he called me, and he ended up walking down to our spot. And we had a couple brewskis together, told a couple good stories. And then I called him back when we were getting ready to leave, and I said, are you still at your spot? He said, we're all still here. So we packed up and went down to his beach and hung out and had a couple more brewskis with him. Wow. Now, did he go low-cal IPA? Nah, he was drinking... uh, like a land shark. Oh, he had the White Claws, too. He did go yeah, White Claws. Yeah, he had White Claws. We'll talk about that. I had a one hell of a White Claw Saturday. It turned into something I didn't expect it to turn into. And then Sunday was a hungover till 3 p.m. kind wow. of day. Body shaking. Yeah, from those White Claws. No, it happens to me with everything, though. It's not just the White Claws. I was mixing a lot of different things around, too, that night. So Yeah, so most walked out. I gave him a uh, Lagunitas daytime. He enjoyed it. All right. Well, uh, one of these days, maybe it would be nice to try one. But on the scale of 1 to 10, I mean, to not look back and not respond for over an hour. Well, there's an issue there. We're going to have to figure it out. Hmm. All right. Sports Bash is live. 97.3 ESPN brought to you today by SHM Financial. Are you quickly approaching or are you in retirement? Don't get overwhelmed. Contract SHM Financial. Call 800-MONEY-SHM or visit online at shmfinancial.com. Mike and Broads. Busy show, Lauber at 3, football at 4, Blevins today at 5. There's never an offseason for the NFL. It's football. A sports bash on 97.3 ESPN. Hi, Mike and Sports Bash Monday. Scott Lauber in a half an hour from now. We'll talk a little Phillies baseball. What did we learn this weekend? And what are we going to learn tonight? Phillies-Yankees tonight, and that's the last of these exhibition games. I think the Phillies have like a scrimmage and an inter-squad game set up for the rest of the week, but the real deal on Friday, man. See, that doesn't get you going? Yeah, I mean, the the real game certainly going to be different, I would imagine. But again, I go back to the fact that it was a live baseball game on television last night. If I just said, hey, you're a casual baseball fan, we're in the month of July and sat you down... You wouldn't know that it wasn't a real game from a fake game. No, I understand what you're saying, but imagine an Eagles game coming back, right? And it's a preseason game. And as much as you would like to think right now you would be all in on an Eagles preseason game because you haven't seen sports in so long, but when you're in the middle of it, you realize, you know what, this still just has that preseason vibe to it. And that's kind of what you saw in this game against the uh, Orioles. Yep, so uh, we'll get a little bit more, you know, I think – as this week goes on, because they got to trim down this roster. We got to figure some things out. I'm interested. You're not going to get a good feeling. I mean, I guess last night was that, was that the lineup you're going to see? Cause I was a little surprised at certain things in that lineup last night. What surprised you the most? Well, was I it got Jay, Jay Bruce, Bruce playing left field, right? Well, I mean, I think that was just precautionary that you'll see those guys flip positions. He'll be the DH and McCutcheon will play left, but I was more surprised that you had, uh, Jay Bruce playing, uh, hitting fourth. And Bryce Harper hitting second. Now, the night before, Bryce Harper was hitting third. So this was just a one-time thing. We, well, we'll see moving forward. But Bryce Harper did hit in the three spot against the Washington Nationals. So I didn't see the lineup on Saturday. So last night it was McCutcheon, Harper, Real Muto, Bruce, Hoskins, Gregorius, Segura, Kingery, Hastley. Um... 
I guess I'm not like the only thing was Bruce hitting four. I figured that, and I don't know where you would kind of hide him, but I guess you figure that we McCutcheon. I thought maybe you get Segura or Kingery in the two hole, and then Harper three, Real Muto four, Hoskins five, maybe Gregorius or Bruce six and seven. Well, the one good thing about having Segura so deep in the lineup is you're having essentially a 300 hitter hit at the bottom of your lineup. Like, that's still dangerous, right? I mean, it's a 300 hitter batting deep in the lineup. That can totally help turn that lineup around. Yeah, I mean, look, and they mentioned it on the broadcast last night. Hey, having Segura hit number seven, that's a pretty deep lineup, which I agree with. I'm just saying I was surprised that Bruce was hitting right in the middle. Now, the night before, it was McCutcheon, Quinn, Harper, Hoskins, Gregorius, Segura, six, Bruce, seven, King or eight, more like what I kind of thought I would have going to see. Now, I didn't know that was the lineup on. Uh, now, they didn't have Real Muto in that lineup, so that kind of changes some things. Absolutely, and Roman Quinn not being in the lineup yesterday also changes some things as well because I don't think that he's going to be batting at the end like Adam Hastley did based off of his speed, but, hey, you never know. Well, you're in, I'm interested. That's another thing I'm interested in. Is Quinn or Hastley going to get more at-bats, more playing time, and if he does, does he hit in a different spot in the order than Hastley does? I think Roman Quinn is going to have to be more towards the top just based off of that game-changing speed. And I do think that he's in the running over Hastley right now. I do. It feels that way. Well, we talked to Bob from Crossing Broad last week during the show, and we had him on two weeks ago, and he seems to feel the same way, that Quinn is kind of uh, a guy that you can't keep out of the lineup right now. I'm interested. And Girardi really, I don't think he has an answer to that question yet. Maybe not yet, but tonight could be a big difference maker because Quinn is making the Oh, you got today's tonight. lineup. Well, no, not today's lineup, but Corey Seidman of NBC Sports Philadelphia tweeted out last night that Harper, McCutcheon, and Jay Bruce will not be playing in the exhibition game against the Yankees. Who will be making the trip was JT Realmuto, Reese Hoskins, Didi, Segura, Kingery, Hastley, and Quinn. Okay, so you're going to really have a last opportunity here for Hastley and Quinn to kind of I guess Hastley will play left, and Quinn would play center. And those two guys will get at bats to see. Uh, I mean, I guess you can't go off of just this game and say, all right, the winner wins. I would have to agree. Yeah, it's definitely a, more of a long-term thing, and they've both been battling for quite some time. Now, I have a, a good buddy who is a baseball mind, loves the game. He actually manages or third base coach at the college level. So he's very involved with the game. And when he looks at Adam Hazley, he was texting me last night throughout, he doesn't like what he brings to the table offensively at all. He says he doesn't hit for power, and he doesn't hit for average. So what does he actually do? And, I mean, I'm not against what he's saying. I do understand where he's coming from, but I feel like it's a little bit of disrespect to say that with Hastley because I think he's a nice little player. Uh, I don't know think I agree with that. You don't think he's a nice little player? No, I don't think I agree with your buddy. Oh, I agree. I'm on the same page as you. I, I kind of disagree with him. So he doesn't like what? That he doesn't hit for power. And he doesn't hit for average. Hmm. And then he says, I, I go back. I and disagree with that, I, And I go back and I said, well, look, he hits more of an average than power. Let's settle that. Well, he hit 266 last year. That's, in today's game, that's pretty good, actually. It is pretty good. For a left-handed hitter, too. And I said, when you look at what he provides defensively in center field, he knows what he's doing out there. There was actually a really nice play yesterday where... It looked so standard that most fans might not recognize it, but the jump off the ball is good center defensive field, player. He was good, and he responded with, everyone's good in the MLB at center field. Everyone's good at defense. 
Uh, I mean, right? It's a cop out. That's what it is. I mean, he's just trying to find a way to defend. I mean, that's himself. similar to what I said earlier. Is I expect the guy to make a scoop at first base. Yeah, I expect the guy to catch a fly ball, but it's like, is he making? Is he taking doubles away? Is he getting to balls that most people don't get to? Yeah, I expect you to catch a ball in the air, but I think Hastley is an above average defender. Two sixty six. And by the way, Hastley's a young player. I mean, he was playing college baseball, what, two, two, three years ago. Now he's 24, so he comes up to the big leagues for his first time ever last year, and I thought he handled himself pretty well. I mean, there's a lot of times these guys come up, and they're just overmatched. I thought he handled himself hitting 266 in his first go-around the bigs. I was pretty impressed with his approach. Now... Not to mention he had five home runs last year in sixty six games. I mean, I you you um parlay that over one sixty two, you give him another hundred games, he's probably gonna hit fifteen to eighteen home runs. You got a guy hitting two sixty six with fifteen to eighteen home runs at the bottom half of your lineup, I think that's pretty good. Now you can also project to say if he did that in his first year, if he gets better, maybe he gets to two eighty five and hits about eighteen to twenty. Now, yeah, absolutely. That would be something. Here's where I think the disconnect with Hastley comes into play. He was selected eighth overall. Now you have a player who, right now, I look at him as a fourth outfielder. You take him eighth overall, should you be drafting someone who is your fourth outfielder? That's where fair. I think the debate comes into play. Uh, fair question. What were you drafting a guy eighth overall? What was your long-term vision of this guy? I don't think it's a fourth outfielder. Keep in mind, too, you had the number one pick not too long ago and that guy plays the same position as Hastley. And he's never going to make it here. I'm no. sorry. You will never see Mickey Moniak in a Phillies jersey. And that guy won't even bring coffee to people. What a shame. I like coffee. I mean, he won't get a job in the organization as, like, uh, the guy selling tickets. Now, when... He is an utter bust. No, I know. But when do we now... When is it fair to rip the front office for a pick like that? How many years uh, goes baseball's by? Baseball's hard. It is, but you had the first overall pick. I know. Pick. Well, I remember that year doing this show and asking people, and they said, There's, of all years to get the number one pick, this wasn't the one. Yeah, kind of like getting the second overall pick when Nolan Patrick was the second overall pick for the NHL, right? I, I mean, guess, it's very I mean, similar. At least Patrick had some lineage. Like, you thought, okay, his family played. And I don't know, do you think, are you calling Nolan Patrick a Busteroni? No. The only difference is going into the draft, I knew that you weren't getting an Austin Matthews, a Patrick right. Lane. Not a um, franchise changer, but is he a player? Oh, he's a player. Yes, I will say that he's a player. We don't think like Mickey Moniak is not... even a player. Okay, yeah. Patrick's an NHL player. Correct. He's a top three linesman. Right? Yeah, I would say he's he should be in your top nine and forward. Somewhere in the top nine, probably either second or third line center is a good place for Nolan Patrick. More so a good third line center, which is fair. You need that. You need depth in today's now, game. Now, pick two in that draft was uh, Senzel from the Reds. He's pretty good. Yeah. The Reds have an interesting squad. Uh, and Anderson was the third pick. A.J. Puck, I remember that name that year. A lot of people were saying, hey, would the Phillies take uh, A.J. Puck? He was a big name in that draft. There was a local kid, Jason Groom, that a lot of, I think he's busted out too. I don't think he's ever going to make it. Uh, but that draft class, I remember people saying, like, eh, it's just not a very good draft. Well, think about this, though. If there was no Roman Quinn in play, he's automatically essentially your center fielder, right? So would we view Adam Hastley differently if there was no Roman Quinn and he – he was your starting center fielder, and now you think, hold on, we drafted this guy eighth, eighth overall. He is now your starting center fielder. Would that change your opinion? Um, 
maybe if you said to me, look, they drafted this guy eighth overall and he's 24 years old and he's already up and playing every day, I think you would say, hey, you you got something with this guy eighth overall. Not to mention, uh, if you remember, too, Hastley, uh he pitched in college and he was pretty darn good as a pitcher. So um, you're wondering, like, what did they see in him? Not that they – why didn't they draft him as a pitcher? I'm saying, what did they see in him as a center fielder that they took him in that spot? That's the mystery to me. It's like – if you, I don't know, did you see a guy going eighth overall? You're hoping that he helps you out, not just as a developmental, uh, you know, a depth guy in your organization. I, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird pick with with having the number one pick and taking a center fielder. I guess you're already saying, okay, that guy's not working out. You have Roman Quinn in your organization. Not to mention, you signed Herrera to a decently long-term deal a couple of years ago. No, that's a really interesting point, right? To have Odubel Herrera, and at that point, none of the things happened that uh, happened with him, and then you have Quinn, and now you're picking Hazley, and the Moniac pick almost essentially tells the fans, we don't know if any of these other players we already have are going to work out, so we're going to take the first overall pick with another center fielder. That is actually absurd the more and more you think about it. Now, three minor league years, Hazley had 24 homers, 44 doubles in 238 games. I mean, not huge power numbers. He hit 292. Now, in Virginia on the mound, he was 18 and 5 with a 251 ERA. Yeah, and that's where those I, numbers sound more impressive. For I remember when Roman Quinn went into a baseball game last year, and I thought to myself, "Come on, Gabe! Come on, Gabe! You got Adam Hazley out there. Let him let him throw a couple." Yep, I remember. I remember that vividly when that happened. Thinking, why are you using Quinn? When you had a guy on your team who actually pitched. Now, do you think that's us just being absurd? No, I mean, that was the, the bizarre parts of of um, Kapler. It was, hey, I'm going to put my center fielder on the mound who gets hurt all the time anyway. So I'm going to put a guy who's always hurt and then make him do something he's never really done. Where I have a guy who has actually pitched at a very high level before and did it very well. It wasn't like he was a stiff and came in in middle relief. The guy was like the ace of that staff. That was the bizarre thing, not the coconut oil. <laughs> well, it was one of the many bizarre things. <laughs> uh, by the way, I got some quick Flyers news for you. Whoa. Uh, Flyers lightning game, originally scheduled for Sunday, August the 9th, will now be played... Saturday, August the 8th. Wow, so one day sooner you get some hockey. Now, Jake Voracek had some pretty bold news to the Flyers media via Zoom or whatever app they use. And, uh, you know, he's just dropping F-bombs and cursing all over the place because if you saw over the weekend, there must have been a problem with one of his tests, so he wasn't able to practice one day. So the speculation was maybe he tested positive. Yeah, I saw and, that. And he's telling people, like, you guys worry too much. You got to relax. It was like a mystery absence on uh, one of the days. Right, and he's just cursing with the media guys, saying, like, you guys got to relax. You worry way too much. And I'm thinking, Voracek, you've been here for so long. This is where when we kind of talked about the most frustrating athletes in Philly, I brought up Voracek because of his relationship with the media and fans. He's just an odd read sometimes. Uh, we got a lot to dive into. Lauber's going to join us in about 15 minutes from now. By the way, this Friday at 3.30, Sixers, Grizzlies, 97.3 ESPN. Basketball back. I wish you had the get excited drop from McGinnis. I did. I didn't know I was going to promote that right there. Okay. That's on you, then. Uh, place your legal sports bet, PlaySugarHouse.com. Sign up now. They'll match your first deposit up to 250 Go to PlaySugarHouse.com, bet 
golf, UFC, boxing, Korean baseball, real money casino games from the comfort of your home. Must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Lauber coming up. Talk radio show on 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right, 10 to the top of the hour. And I think um, of all the things that need to be figured out this week, bullpen, what you're going to do with the rotation, and I guess center field, right? There, That's it. Yeah, you would have to you would have to say so. Other than that, you feel uh, that this team, I, thought, I heard Ben Davis say last night during the broadcast, he thought 32 wins would win the East. I saw, I did hear him say that. I thought that was a little low. He was talking about how competitive it would be yep. because all the teams can kind of compete, but 32, I don't think that gets it done. No, I thought I think you're going to need a little bit more than 32. 36? Although his, I think his point was valid that it's very competitive and you're playing a very competitive AL East. So all these teams beating up each other all season long for 60 games, I still think 32 is a little light. I would have to agree. But you're right when it comes to his mindset with it, when you think about the Braves and what's happening there with some positive tests and players opting out, the Braves are all over the place, really, when you think about what's happening. Cole Hamill's situation, and then the Felix Hernandez opting out. There, there's just a lot of moving pieces happening with the Braves. Your question, is that going to hurt them in terms of actual getting on the field and playing well? So who do you start in center? Hastley, is he your everyday guy? You go Quinn. I think for right now, because of the game-changing speed, Roman Quinn should be the move, but it's a short leash. Yeah, you know what? I was down, down, down on Quinn, and he really turned me over in that August little run. Now, I get it. He constantly gets hurt, and it ticks you off. But I don't live like that. I don't live like, oh, the guy's always hurt. If he's healthy, he plays. That's it. He's healthy for me right now. He's available and healthy for me. I'm going to... Go off of him being available and healthy, and I like him better right now than I like Hastley. I think he just adds a little. That speed just adds something that this team has been lacking. 609-573-3776. Josh in Cape May County are on 97.3. What's up, Josh? Hey, guys. How's it going? All is well. Um, yeah, so I was just calling to talk about Adam Hazley. And I'll, I'll kind of draw the comparison to Roman Quinn. Uh, both guys um, are basically guys that you want the back end of the lineup um, in a very deep lineup that the, the Phillies have. Um, so what, what you have there is both of those guys have had an enormous strikeout rate or based on the other production that they bring to the table. They don't hit the ball over the fence much, but uh Adam Hazley especially has been really good defensively, really covering the ground out there in center field. So uh, Roman Quinn on the other on the other end of things, his walk rate's a little bit higher, so that that would be what would win him the job um, over Hazley because last season uh, Hazley only walked at about a five point eight percent rate. Yeah, Hazley struck so, out almost once a game last year. He had sixty strikeouts in yeah. sixty seven games. So you're right about that. He he needs to cut that down. But I think a lot of it is, you know, he's a he's a young guy. Yeah, that could be it. And if if he uh, starts making contact, maybe he sees some balls uh, fly over the fence. Because him being a young guy, he's about six foot one. So yeah, he's got. There's no reason why you wouldn't expect a little bit more power. From yeah, him. he's got. Thanks for the call. He's got a nice, like you know, I like he gets the arms out extended. He's got that nice lefty swing. I think again, I think he can be a fifteen to eighteen kind of homer guy. Like I mean, in his minor league career. 
Uh, he hit 10 homers last year in the minors in 62 games. That's not terrible. No, absolutely it's not terrible. If you do go to that 15 to 20 range, I would say that that's really solid for someone like Adam Hazley, especially if he's hitting where he's hitting in the back end of the of the lineup. But he brought up the walk rate. The walk rate for Roman Quinn is way better than Adam Hazley. And then you factor in the speed, right? So you get a guy on first base like Roman Quinn with a walk, and that can turn into him being on second base real quick, and then that can totally change the style of that inning and if you're able to knock him in from there. So that walk rate... He he mentioned it. It's a good point. If that that could possibly be the difference in winning the job over Hayes. The walk rate is a real good point, and he did mention the strikeout rate, and he's right about that. It's that Hayesley struck out sixty times in sixty-seven games last year. That is, uh, that's a lot of strikeouts. I mean, especially if you want that guy to be hitting at the top of the order, which I don't think the Eagles, uh, excuse me, the, the Phillies are looking at him. But Quinn. They might want to hit him at the top of the order, and he would have to cut his strikeouts down if he wants to hit up at the top of the order. He had 34 strikeouts last year in 44 games. So both of them strike out about the same. Now, Quinn walked 12 times in those 44 games. He also picked up uh, eight stolen bases in the 44 games. So there's a big difference between the two of the guys right there. I think it's going to be intriguing to see what Joe Girardi does with those two guys. We'll get more insight on it on the other side when Phillies beat writer Scott Lauber from the Philadelphia Inquirer joins us ahead of the 